With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 49A, I think I'll make it, for the Elm Park Rolls uh, podcast. Something's been happening in the waters at the uh, Medeski Stadium in the last 24 hours. We've seen the appointment of uh, Nigel Howe as the CEO. Obviously, he's been there before. But more importantly, uh, the sacking, removal, goodbye to Paul Clement after only 30 games in charge of Reading Football Club. I've got to say, when I saw this statement on the Twitter, I was a bit surprised, to be honest. That was my first initial reaction. Um I'm not saying it was the wrong decision, but I was surprised at the timing. What would you say, Jacob? Obviously, I'm sorry, I've got to say, also I've been joined by Jacob Southcline and uh, Neil Rees. I was going to say, that would have been a plot twist of all plot twists, wouldn't it? If, yeah. You know. Oh, is it? Um, right, so I'm like you, Paul, I guess, in that um, I was absolutely stunned when I saw the announcement. Um, I think everyone was. Um, I know that the um, journalists were on the way, the local journalists were on the way to Hogwarts to interview Clement when in their cars they saw the announcement that he'd been sacked. Um, I was sat in a uh, in a cold lecture theatre when my phone started going mad. Um, and yeah, I think it's the timing of it, really. I think it's it's been inevitable for a little while now that he hadn't enjoyed the support of many people for a little while now. Um, a lot of people didn't want Clement appointed in the first place. Um, I um, had just started to warm to him a little more because of his team selections since the chief executive went. Um, so, and and we haven't been on a terrible run. So, when you consider all that, the timing is a bit odd. But given how decisive the owners have acted with installing Howard the new CEO, and they've started to become a little bit more visible around the place in the last week, it does actually make sense. Um, and uh, you would hope that they've got someone lined up going into Saturday's game. Um, but really, I, it, it's just started to sink in that um, we, we're down to our, what is it, seventh new manager in the space of six years, I think? Yes, yes. Like. along those lines. Yeah, it's quite amazing, isn't it? And Chris Gunter's now has seven managers and Gareth McCleary, if you count Brian McDermott twice. So, <laughs> it's kind of, I, I don't think he's got um, uh, issues with personalities, but I mean, who knows? So, Neil, what would you, what was your first reaction then when you saw it then? Um, that's a shock, really. Um, I don't think anyone would have expected the new CEO, old CEO, depending on which way you want to look at it, to have made such a, a massive decision so soon. Uh, I mean, it, it literally must have been one of his first stipulations of being appointed is like, well, I, I want to bring my own man in, um, regardless of what Clement had done in terms of results lately. Whilst they weren't great, as Jacob says, that we were getting you know, a little bit better. Midfield was looking stronger. Um, Defence still shaky as ever. But overall, you kind of think, well... You didn't think it was that bad that you'd normally warrant a sacking, but it, this is clearly a, a, a how decision. Um, 
and if this is the way that he wants to stamp his authority, then I'm fine with it. Uh, as long as we've got someone, as you say, lined up that can come in that he thinks is going to be you know, infinitely better than what we have had uh, in the last year or so and, and prior to that. Yeah, I mean, as obviously we can't really assess the full kind of is it a good decision or a bad decision until we know who's actually going yeah. to replace him. Um, we no, None of us know who that's going to be. And in fact, there hasn't even really been many. Um, sometimes you, straight after a sacking in, nowadays in modern football, you get a link straight away that's pretty strong. But I haven't seen anything at all. I mean, maybe one of you have seen uh, something, but I haven't seen anything that you think, yeah, that, that could definitely happen, apart from Simon Grayson being interested. Oh, <laughs> I'm also interested. I think we just yeah, have... exactly. We all take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. That's what makes again the timing of it so strange to me. In that we had a little flurry of rumours. I think about a month ago, where Bruce was mentioned. Steve Bruce, obviously, was sacked by Villa earlier on the season. Guidelin um, as well. Yeah, Guidelin. So both have had the Swansea link. Um, this was after Nanny came in as uh, the new sporting director. So the, the links might have been, you know, you could speculate that it was just lazy journalism for people trying to draw a link between the higher ups and the people who are available. But all of that seems to have stopped recently. I know that Bruce is still the bookmaker's favourites, but obviously there'd be a concern about his wage and how much he'd probably want to spend um, when we don't know whether the money would be forthcoming or not. Um, so I'm not sure. I think the key thing for me is whereas we've gone back to basics with reappointing Nigel Howe in the chief exec position and that sort of, I think people who are cynical of it would say, oh, well, you know, we're going back to how things were and we're trying to resurrect the Reading way when it's dead. Um, whereas I support Howe being back, I don't think we want to get back the likes of Pardew, Murty, Parkinson, McDermott, God's sake, for a third time. Uh, <laughs> no, I totally agree with you, Jacob. I think... I think I put a tweet out yesterday saying we, he understands the club. He's seen three previous owners. He knows what's happening inside the clubs. He knows financially we're not in a great position. Um, he knows the owners that are there now. He also knows that modern football has changed. We can't go back to 2010. That That's not going to happen. But if we embrace the part of our history from the, that era when we were relatively successful, 2006 onwards... Uh, probably starting with Pardew, really. But we can't go back to those people. But we need to move forward into the Reading way that is now. So as I said, maybe on a podcast a few weeks ago, we need to find a new way. That sounds like starting a new political party. But it's kind of, it's what we need to do. Just going back is not the way. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people have attributed uh, all of the above that you mentioned. So sort of, you know, getting the band back together. But I think it was the owner's way of playing it reasonably safe in someone that knows the club. But they clearly understand that they can't, you know, change hearts and minds entirely by themselves. And the easiest way to do that is to put a recognisable face who understands everything from the off and knows what, what needs to change. Rather than someone who comes in totally fresh will take, you know, months to work out what it is that he has to do, needs to do, and wants to do. Um, Nigel will have that already, uh, you know, in his locker, really, to, to know what to do. So 
And as I said before, clearly this is one of his stipulations that he, he wants this to be um, his first mark. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, we've got Scott Marshall, obviously the under-23 manager, who's going to come in and temporarily expected to take charge on Saturday. And notice that wasn't definitely take charge. So maybe there is someone lined up, who knows, uh, with Nigel Gibbs. Obviously, uh, Scott Marshall's seems to be on a really good run with the under-23s, 14 matches unbeaten. So I know it's a totally different level, but then, you know, you'd rather have someone coming in who knows all the young players as well. So... And it's kind of stability there. I don't think we need to worry about it. I think the club in some ways, despite all the chaos that it's going through at the moment, seems more stable than it's been for a long time, which doesn't seem to make any sense, really. But I feel that with Nigel Howe, the change is being made. The owners showing interest, real interest, in being proactive, that eases me. I mean, do you feel the same, Jacob, about that kind of... I do. I feel like... We've certainly, maybe not in terms of demonstrated stability. What, what I, I feel more confident with who is at the reins now, as of the last week. What yeah. also makes me more confident is how um, transparent people have been, such Take. as um, John Medeski coming out to the press this week um, on BBC Radio Berkshire. And I know he's, he's not involved in a capacity at the club anymore but as a speculator or as a fan um, it was reassuring to hear um, about how things were behind the scenes and how much more optimistic he is now that ball is gone Um, and you could see in a way then how removing Clement is him sort of purging the club of the last remnant of Gourlay's reign and whereas I do think that um Clement's had a rough ride in what he's had to work with and the circumstances he had to work under. He was always perceived as a bit of a yes man for the previous regime. Yeah. Um, so in order for us to fully move forward and to progress, he needed to go. Uh, but certainly the noises coming out of the club from ex-employees, um, from the players, from... Um, from Medeski and also Tebridan, I think, did some weird Q&A on his Instagram last Yes, night. he did, yeah. Very flattering towards um, Ron Gawley at all. I'm, weirdly, even though results aren't any better, feel much more confident with the decisions that have been made by the owners in the last couple of days. Much more. Um, yeah, no, 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 I totally agree. I feel that we've got a pathway. Obviously, we're going to get the kind of clincher on that by whoever they appoint. Mm. So, if we just look at... Uh, Paul Clement's time, 30 games in charge. That's 15 losses, eight draws and seven wins in that period. That is, that's a grim kind of reading. That's 29 goals for, 47 against, 22% win percentage and 0.97 points per game which completely obviously tallies, tallies with the table that we've got. We're running it just under a point a game. And in the championship, traditionally, you would go down if you end up with 45 points. Not always, but normally. Yeah. So I do think it was the right decision. What would you say were the high points of Paul Clements' reign? I think they're both attributed to one person, actually, and that's um, Vito Minone. Yeah. I, I know that you tweeted about it on the Elm Park Royals account earlier, but that penalty save that Manone made at home to Queen's Park Rangers when it was Q. Yes. Um, yes. 
when Clement first came in. That, it was probably the penalty save that got us across the line. Um, we needed, desperately needed, when Stam left, a result out of somewhere. And it didn't have to be pretty, but we needed a win. And for ages, I know I was one of the people that thought it was never going to come. I thought we were going to end the season without another win. Um, and what we needed really was, whereas Clement, it wasn't so much the value of Clement himself when he came, it's the fact that he was another person and he was another voice. In yeah, exactly. And I'd been serving up. So certainly that win at home against Queen's Park Rangers, I thought was a high point. Um, even if only for what it meant for our survival hopes. Um, it's difficult otherwise because the sort of losses that we had under Clinton, and I know there's been a few, I know he's got the worst win percentage out of any Reading manager in the modern era, really, yeah, if, yeah. if we can't pass in the modern era as the last 10 years or so. Um, our wins always used to be by, our losses used to be always by like one or two goals, you know, they were tighter players. We never got like many bludgeonings under Clement, um, but we equally, just as we didn't have any like horrific losses, I don't think we had many glorious victories either. No, no, every single one was really against the odds, wasn't it? I mean, in the first set, when he got these two wins in the first uh, season, he was here for the eight games last year. The Preston game was another one we were hanging on. I suppose the only one game when in his during his time at the club is probably the game when we played Hull City and we won 3-0. And that was it. None of the other games did I feel that we had anything convincing going on at all. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to find positives and look at it and work out what he's doing at the moment. Uh, I suppose if you look at the players that he's brought through and improved, Jacola, yeah. Blackett and Mate. Now, I'd say those three players have improved this season. Um, is that it's not really enough? I mean, I don't want to come on and just say, you know, it's a great thing that he's left. But Mate, he could be a really key player. And Jacola is completely transformed. Last season, I wouldn't have really trusted him to catch anything. No. This season, he's, yeah, he's completely in the team. I mean, you, you, there's no way that you could drop him at the moment. Would you agree on those three players now? Do you think that... Uh, yeah, and I, and I think in a way that's a little bit of an indictment in that um, it's only three. There's no one else that's really come on. I mean, a, a fair few, you'd say, um, have actually deteriorated, you'd think. Um, Moore's not quite the same as he, he has been previously. You know, a few of Clement's signings um, haven't really featured at all. Um, Paul Pella Clement can't seem to catch a break under under him either. Um, although he's been injured too. Um, and of course, the, you know, the, the amount of injuries that we've had wouldn't help any manager, to be honest. Um, so he's got some mitigating factors there that kind of go for him. But, um, you know, it, there's enough people have always said, well, you've got to work with what you've got. And he's never really turned anything that he's tried to uh, be a winning method, really. Um, and maybe that's that's the one of the defining things that he, he's... He couldn't turn those players around into anything that you'd call a cohesive unit. I'd say that the strange thing about this isn't it? In the last few weeks, I've actually seen kind of signs of a system, a tactic, organisation, 
that seemed to be slowly building, but it's so gradual. We needed to get some wins during that time. That Ipswich home game was, now we know, it was almost catastrophic for Paul because he needed to get a win in that game. We have, we've only got one win in our last five matches, and that was against Bristol City. Um, we've had games where we could have won. We could have beaten Wigan. We definitely could have beaten Stoke. That would have been quite lucky, but we could have. Um, we could have beaten other teams in that run, but it's just a real issue going forward. I mean, I found particularly frustrating his team selections. They were completely erratic. You never knew at two o'clock, you could think what is going to be the shock news. And also his ability to take five minutes over a substitution. That shows me a manager who's just not confident to make decisions. He can go into a game with a tactic, but once it's changing, he can't adapt to it. Which yeah, is a real sound like uh, like the West Brom game away. Yes. Um, well, we started off ever so well, um, scored the early goal, which was probably the kiss of death anyway. But then when West Brom decided to turn it on, there was there was no answer. And it's that plan B that we've we've struggled with. Even with Stanley, it was the same. Um, so it's it's not a a, a new issue that we've got. Um, but it, it's hopeful, you know, that a a new manager can can have plans A, B, and C, and be a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, I mean, we need to. I noticed in the uh, uh, statement from their club, it said that someone to find a manager that fits the Reading uh, Football Club mould. I'm not sure what exactly what that means. So, what would you take that as meaning, Jacob? I mean, it's a very wide spectrum, that isn't it? We were we were discussing, weren't we, about um, what. I, th- I think we've discussed it on previous podcasts what really a Paul Clement team was or is, and he never really had that sort of identity. I know you said just a minute ago it was starting to come through, but just a little too late. Yeah. And I know that the Reading identity or mould in the past certainly um, involved having quick um, attacking wingers um, who could shuffle the ball up and down the pitch and track back. Um, we were we always used to be a good counter-attacking outfit. I think that a lot of our success in the past has come from that. Um, and I know that Nigel Howe oversaw a lot of that when he was CEO originally. Um, so I wouldn't, I would certainly would not mind a return or a slow move back to um, the the more direct style of football that we've been used to in the past. That's not to say it's primitive. That's not That's, to say it's like an archaic form of football because. We've seen bigger teams than us have success with it in recent years. Look at Leicester. I know it's a world away from what we can hope achieving now in our current position, but Leicester had success with direct uh, wing-centric football. Around it. Um, I, I, I think we've got the players in the system now to do that. McCleary's proved it in the past. I think Mate could fill that role. Um, Barrow, certainly. Um, and I think on paper, we do have the resources. It's just about getting in the right man, like Neil was saying earlier, to get something out of the players, which is something that Clement never could do. Um, we need someone to come in and make us stronger than the sum of our parts. Yeah, I think we need one of the key factors with the new manager has to be man management. Because I think this is an area that Paul Clement seemed to be lacking in. When he showed lack of faith in players, he would drop them, they could play well. They'd miss out. It's demotivating for players, surely, if they're playing well. And then all of a sudden you're seeing no consistency or reward for those performances. I mean, it's so hard to gauge, isn't it? Who's going to come in 
I mean, if just one thing I would want to say is that Paul Clement is getting all the criticism for all of our performances, but some of our players have been performing so low down in this uh, system for a long time. And uh, it's just so annoying when you see these players that come out and they were constantly saying, oh, we've let the manager down, we've done this, we've done that. Well, why didn't you do something about it in the preceding months then? That would be very, very good. And I'd just like to apologise for my phone going off there. That was my... <laughs> so, yeah, no, I do find it frustrating that they're not getting enough of the blame, really, because... You know, they, they, you'll see them come out today and the players, McNulty, come out and says, um, yeah. you know, I'm shocked to see that we got the sack. Well, if you take a quick, quite, you know, quick look at the table, Mark, you'll notice that things are not going particularly well. Not that he's played a lot, so it's not directly aimed at him. But players like Chris Gunter, he's played quite a lot. And you think you can't be surprised by this, really. Not, not really, really. You know what's going on, Chris. Come on, you're inside the club. Especially when players like Gunter, who have known more successful times here, know the standard that's expected. So it can't ever be a shock. Yeah. I mean, the only way I can foresee that it would be a shock is if they somehow become numb to the sensation of losing or got used to our new um, lower league position subconsciously or not. I know that when Vandenberg moved on loan over to the second division he said that he said there was a culture of people not being as bothered anymore by repeatedly losing um but you can't i mean mcnulty i know is just one person who's come out and said he was shocked to see the manager go um not that long ago when stan was getting the boots how long is it nine months yeah it was in march yes they're not even a year there was somebody else I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but they also said, oh, we're shocked to see him go. Well, you see Liam Kelly? It could have been well of being Liam Kelly. This is <laughs> Liam Kelly who also said he's def- we're definitely not getting, getting relegated. I mean, mad, but I mean, to me, that's as shocking. That's as yeah. shocking um, to me that Leicester, in, you look at the performances that are being served up and, you know, shy of Clement actually coming onto the pitch himself and kicking the ball, you know, the, the buck lies with the players as far as like getting the results is concerned. If, if a man sets them up such as Clement to get the result, they've got to go out there and do it. Um, and we, I would be more willing to forgive the players if this had been our first instance of failure in recent times under Clement, but it's not. It's not. We've seen it with Stan, we've seen it under Clement, and they're two separate men, two separate methods, and the same players are not doing enough. It needs to change. No, no, there's, it needs to be a huge change of mentality of the players or just the players. And obviously that's not going to happen overnight. No. Um, it's going to be a process, but we've got to get through to the end of the season and stay up. I'm not taking that for granted in any way, because whichever manager comes in, he's going to have 90% of the players that are already here. Some of them have been playing better recently. Obviously, players like Rinomoto coming through and Danny Loder's come in. McCleary's come back OK, but... There's some players in that squad that we haven't seen for a long time. I mean, I have the joke about Dave Edwards and every week now on the podcast. Has anyone seen him? But he's kind of, he's there. We've got Popper. So yeah, we've got players that are just there, just not earning a wage. And this is a major problem for the manager that's coming in, including Paul Clement. He's got such a huge squad. Yeah. How do you keep all those players happy? There's a skill to that. That's the level of the players we've got at the moment, I would say the lowest I've seen in our championship era at the, the Medeski is just, 
not not high at all. It's, it's an awful squad. What's so. um, what I think uh, might set back a new manager is that with January being so close, and when Clement was here saying, I know exactly who's got to go out the door in January, because he had an idea of who he wanted to stay and who he wanted to leave. The new manager is going to calibrate their opinion players very, very quickly, because otherwise that's wasted time in the market. I mean, even now, I can't see many people wanting to come in with the players we've got and take them away, because they're just not of the caliber that many uh, suitors would want. Um, but uh, whoever comes in has got um, half a month, really, um, to say, right, this is who I think I can work with, this is who I can build around. Uh, and I don't think that's going to be easy. I mean, worst case scenario for me is someone comes in, let's say, I don't know, John Smith. Um, who oh, is, not John Smith. John Smith. Uh, he's got he's to know to him in Huddersfield. Did he play for us? Yeah. He takes one look at Dave Edwards and goes, oh, great. Dave, you're going to be a real asset. And puts back in Pella Clement as well. And then chips out people on loan like your Mate and Rinham mm. and thinks, well, then you're back to square one. Yes. So I think whichever manager comes in has to have a respect for who is doing well and is in form. And hopefully that will shine through by itself. But really needs to adapt to the resources he's got available very quickly. And people's contracts are up in the summer too. So there's a lot to bear in mind with that. Well, I think you raise a good point. Well, you're just looking at the players, just to look at the, the, I think, the moments that really have killed it for uh, Clement this season was the Minoni mistake against Derby. Yeah. If we'd managed to come out of that game, even with a draw, it would have been a, a, a good starting point, I think, to get something off Frank Lampard's Derby would have been lovely. And then you have Paul McShane at Blackburn away when that would have been the first away win of the season, very early in the season. And... It just imploded. He did. I'm not quite. I still haven't been able to work out what happened to him there. It was just. If you're a manager, that must be so frustrating because you cannot control that. You would think my captain, the yeah. most experienced player on the pitch, is give away one penalty. Yeah, of course that can happen. But two in one match, that is quite incredible. I mean, it's no coincidence that he hasn't played since. I know he's had an injury some of the time, but. I'm not sure he has the whole time. That's quite an amazing dropout from a player. And if they're being let down, I mean, if you look at a player like Elori, who plays brilliantly against Leeds, and then on Saturday against Stoke City, he could barely pass the ball. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to get from the players. It is a real issue. I mean, how, how do you see it, Neil, with the kind of responsibility of player or manager? I think, you know, quite a few times in his post-match uh, interviews, you could sort of sense the exasperation in him and that, to use the old adage, once they go over the white line, he, he can, he can in, you know, do no more with them. Um, but the amount of times that they have let him down, in effect, where we've been winning in games and we've imploded, um, or just simply not held on to a lead when you kind of think, well, the easiest to do thing to do is just control the ball, keep the ball amongst yourselves, play safe. And then it just goes absolutely mental. And, you know, no manager can really mitigate against those kind of things happening. He can only instruct them so far. So, you know, that, that responsibility when they're on the field does seem to be missing. And whether that is a, a man management thing or um, a purely player thing, I'm not sure. But collectively, the players know that they've let not just this manager, but the previous one down 
in not doing the right things at the right times in numerous occasions. It's not isolated. You know, like the game of the weekend, we were 2-1 down. And you could, you know, most fans could, could sense that we were going to concede one fairly quickly. And if we did concede one, then there's another on the way. Um, so Clement can't really untrain that out of the squad, I don't think. That's down to the players and their own mentalities. So, you know, to be sacked on the back of that seems a bit harsh. But obviously, there's extenuating circumstances from the owners down now. So... The players, I think, you know, do have to take an awful lot, as as Jacob says. Uh, basically, I think we need to wrap it up this one soon. I think uh, we all think it is a good thing that he's gone. Bit surprised at the timing. Do you feel more positive about the team going for Jacob, even without knowing the manager? Which is a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> I think. The game on Saturday is a really good opportunity for people to actually, by people, I mean our players. <laughs> yeah, they were football players half the time, but um, it's a good opportunity for them to actually show a bit of grit, a bit of um, a bit of metal about them because it's they're doing very well, Sheffield United, and they're a template, I would suggest, for a team that we need to follow. Um, they've um, they're not very flash. They, uh, then their strengths are that they know what they're good at, and again, they're they're a very good attacking outfit, um, and they haven't got a flash manager either. I'd, I'd love to see us go to a Sheffield United template, and I'd love to see us go there and actually put in a performance where a new manager will go right. I can rely on him, I can rely on him, I can rely on him. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see who the new manager's captain is actually, because yeah. we know we know change contracts up soon um, this summer, I think. Yeah. Um, we know that the vice captaincy has seemingly been taken off Gunter because it was Bakuna who was captain yeah. uh, last time out. I think. Um, so I would be interested to see who comes in and goes, right, where's my captain? Because I don't think there's many contenders on paper. Um, it might be that the new manager tries to do what Clement attempted to do and try and bring in some leaders, some more leaders. Mm. Um but yeah, I would love to see us go to Sheffield United and actually show a bit of fight, uh, show that we're up for the fight, at least. And the players can't sulk. I know if I was a player at Reading, I'd feel a bit jaded because it's like a revolving door because we're getting a new manager every, every year, year and a half, half a year. Um, at some point, that some, something's got to give. Either the players go or they stay and they fight for their place. Um, so really... I'm, I'm more sort of curious to see what the reaction is rather than confident that we will be fine. Um, I think that actually the playing staff, I think the recruitment is the one question mark that's lingering after this week still. Because yeah. efforts have been made to address the leadership upstairs, address the leadership as far as the manager's concerned. Now the players actually have to stand up and be counted to prove that they've got a future here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. I think that the players, the underlying issue, which we all know if you're listening to this uh, podcast or watching it at some point, maybe it's a real, it's not going to change very quickly. I think January, Redding, we're going to try and be brutal and get rid of players. And I think there'll be players that we don't expect to leave. I'm not saying players like Maytag, but I'm saying some players will be leaving that we won't be expecting to leave. At least I hope so. 
because we've got to find some way of getting changing the whole atmosphere in the squad because it's not right and it hasn't been right for a long time. And if we want to stay up and not go down to League One, which none of us want to do, some of us might enjoy the away days, but no, it would be an absolute disaster. We don't want to go back to crowds of 7,000. So ultimately, I think they made the right decision and I think we're going to move forward. I may regret that decision because we don't know who we're going to appoint yet, <laughs> but we live in hope. Okay, then. Thanks a lot. So, Alan Kerbishley. Alan Kerbishley. Oh, no, Jacob, this is the point that we cut it off. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs>